Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I'm here with the show that you might have thought you were listening to last week because the person who writes the titles for our blog posts kind of blew it. And that person <laughs> is right here, Ryan Marcatillo McCracken. <laughs> I did something. What did I do? Well, I just felt like you, you, I felt like you unleashed the big guns in terms of our prediction show and used it as a title for the Blair Levin interview, which was wonderful, but was more like a, just sort of discussion about policy items that happened to be coming up in the calendar year. And in no way was the grand, big, huge event of our prediction show of, uh, of our community broadband networks team. I, I get what you're saying. Well, when it's, when it's Blair Levin, I feel like he gets to take precedence maybe a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Rye went, all, Rye went all 5G on us, huh? <laughs> but wait, does that mean anything? Uh, right. So that was Sean Gonsalves there. Or if you uh, if you enjoy uh, some different uh, shows where he shows up, it might be uh, almost Sean Gonzalez, but people mispronouncing your name in a variety of ways as you patiently uh, smile into the camera. That's right. That's right. But, you know, Sean G is cool. I feel like you're very close to being Chanji at a certain point then. Yeah. We have Christine Parker, our uh, GIS and and uh, I was going to say marketing and data visualization person. I was thinking marketing because you were just quoted in the newspaper. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty neat. And we have Emma Gautier. And so a little, a little struggling to pronounce it still since December. I, I don't know why, but I don't closer. Know. I'm struggling. If, if you knew that song, man, you would be fine. I still, what song? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't even remember that the I group. don't know the song. The group. Somebody yeah. I used to know. You got to look that song up. And once that song gets stuck in your head, you're really singing it to yourself. And you'll never forget how to mis how to pronounce her last name ever again. All right. Gautier, for the record. Gautier. Okay, I'll just, I should just go. try and remember that and never look at the spelling of it again. Yeah. How was her last name part of this uh, pronounced in mine? Are you kidding? Yours is just a matter of where you put the stress. All the letters show up in the proper True. like <laughs> pronunciation. True. I feel like the French are just making fun of the rest of us who use the same alphabet for the most part. <laughs> uh, so we have predictions that um, we will be evaluating again in December. And uh, I'm curious who wants to go first with our, our first big prediction. Oh, and I should note that um, Dean Cuellar, uh, I'm sure, has great predictions, but uh, this didn't, time just didn't work out for her. So uh, we are unfortunately uh, Deanne-less today, but she remains very much a part of the team. Uh, so uh, who wants to raise her hand and, and go first? We're each going to do our boldest prediction. Christine's going to go first with the most bold, most interesting prediction. Go for it. Okay, this is more of a me trying to manifest this into happening. Um, the FCC will improve their public data portal to give folks more control over how they're downloading the data and what formatting. So I'm, I'm putting it out there, I'm hoping it'll happen. And this is this is something that the FCC has control over. And um, I, I mean, I've never been to that data portal myself, I don't think. Uh, so uh, it is not good right now, but you are... Uh, hoping that the FCC will improve it to make it more useful to researchers. Absolutely. Yep. All right. To me, that seems like, I don't know, like if we're going to accept that, we have to accept the, the dangerous direction that fortune cookies have taken, where they no longer have fortunes. They just have weird sayings in them. 
I was talking to somebody the other day about this. How, how did that, when did that happen? How did it happen when I was a kid? Yeah, it was on the order of like 15 or 20 years, I feel like. They just gave up, the people writing the messages. These kids, these ennials don't really know what they're missing. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this is something I support. I would love to see the FCC improve on a number of, of axes, and that would be a good one uh, to give people more access to better data and to specify it better. Who has another prediction? Sean? I'm just going to jump out here and say this one just because I can't think of a better one. I usually have big, big, bad, bold predictions. I'm going to say a good one, and I'm going to say it basically so before you do. Jeezy Song will be confirmed as the fifth commissioner of the FCC. And it will happen this calendar year. It, it will happen in, okay, I'll even go bolder. It'll happen by February 28th. All right. February 20th. I like that because my bet with Travis on the connect this show is uh, definitely right around that time where um, at this point I might be at triple or none that they're going to improve the broadband definition. Pretty sure I'm going to lose that bet again um, and have to buy Travis wings for life. And uh, but I I am committed to that as well. I think I think Gigi will be on the commission at that point. Any any naysayers that want to break my heart right now? I think that's probably pretty close. Maybe maybe end of March would be a hundred percent lock, but end of February is pretty good. Is this year a leap year? No. Nope. Not voting okay, for president. Good. We have um two people left and then I'll go. So Emma or Rye, which prediction? I'll go ahead. Uh I will say and this I don't know if this is uh I don't know. Uh I, my biggest boldest prediction this year is that the USF the USF crumbles into dust in some way or another. And we've that got is a, bold deal with the ramifications of it will it happen i don't know so if people aren't familiar uh they should listen to the blair levin show from last week in which we we talk a little bit about that the the way that the universal service fund is funded is on shaky territory and there are courts that are potentially going to take a run at whether the fcc even can maintain it like that and uh i don't know i think the the its future is murky i uh, i guess i would say that that's a bold prediction rye Emma, um, mine. I'll take the place of Sean being big bad negative prediction. I don't think the ACP program will reach fifty percent enrollment, and I don't think that the outreach grant program will go as far as it's intended to in terms of actual impact on the ground. So, sorry, but I think those are pretty good predictions. I mean, I think that fifty percent is uh, uh, that would be too bad, uh, and I think I think you're right. I when I look at how the ACP uh, grant opportunity to spread awareness about the program and get people signed up, to me it looked like a hassle. We know stories of lots of folks that we would have thought that would be um, good candidates to get that money didn't even go for it because it just looks so convoluted and complicated. Um, on the other hand, we know of a few folks who uh, did go for it and suffered through that application and um, certainly hope that that works out. But yeah, I think that's a that's a very good prediction. I mean, I feel like like if we said it wasn't going to be 75 percent, it's like, well, duh, of course, it's not going to be 75 percent. But 50 percent is a good number to to bet on. Pressure's on, man, because I, I got to say, I think all four of these predictions are pretty good. All right. So my prediction is going to be I mean, we'll see about this. I feel like this year is going to be wild in terms of mm. of things changing that we would not expect. I think it's entirely possible that we see an unprecedented level of layoffs of tech people 
in um, in the tech sector, uh, and and I and I think we're just going to see massive disruption from Chat DGPT. I think we might see um, significant layoffs from call centers from the big telecoms, but mm. I think that the biggest events that happened in 2022 came at us right at the end, where we learned about Chat GPT. Um, you know, we're we're learning new things on a daily basis right now about what it's capable of, but the ability of it to write code and frankly the inability of most people who work in programming to write good code. <laughs> I think I just feel like there's so much that's about to change and I am super excited about it. And I think um, if we um, if we go back for a second, the reason I'm excited about it is when the free and open source software movement launched and they would hate me including that open source name in it. But nonetheless, um, the idea was that people would learn how to program and they would be programming software that would really fit their local needs, but it was always too complicated. And now that is changing, I think. The ability of like Sean to be like, I want to do this thing on my computer and just for him to work through chat GPT to get that working. I, I don't think he's there in January, but I think in December he might be there. And I say that as a guy who loves tech. Really? Wow. Sean loves doing stuff on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> chat, chat GPT scares the scares me. I think I think we see Christine. I think Christine is like just doing um, is just like this. We're like, wait, did Christine clone herself? How is she so productive? I think over the course of this year, like the ability of someone like Christine to like use chat GPT to, for like scripting solutions and all kinds of things like that. I'm I'm fascinated at how this is going to result in short-term changes to say nothing of long-term changes. Yeah, I'm excited to try it out and see see how I can use it to establish new workflows and stuff like that. So I knew before that the FCC had not put out a lot of ACP materials in Spanish. And I learned today they never actually went back and fixed it, right? To say nothing of the many other languages that are commonly spoken by people who qualify for ACP. Uh, at the end of 2023, if local governments, state governments, and the federal government don't have things available in just about every language simultaneously all the time, we're doing something wrong. And that's mm -hmm. sort of, this is like the nature of my prediction, right? Like, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse that is not out in Spanish right now from the FCC. That's absurd. But the ability of governments to be using this in interesting ways, um, I, I just think it's going to be remarkable. I'm just curious what Sean thinks the future of Mastodon is um, our Mastodon hero. I know it's really- That's right. I'm, really glad to, I'm glad that you brought that up because you can call me Sean G or you can call me Master Sean because I am all over that. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I love it. It's so warm and welcoming. There's a lot more engagement. Although I have seen that it's sort of plateaued, I think, in terms of engagement um, at this point after what they call the Great Migration. Has that been um, your personal experience, or that what you, that's what you've seen in analysis? That that has not been my personal experience, but I've seen some analysis about that, which could very well just be—I don't know if that's the right word—legacy sort of media outlets and people that want everybody to stay on Twitter to think that you know Macedon has kind of you know peaked and plateaued I, I think it hasn't um you know there's all kinds of there's just so many interesting things going on there and and the quality of kind of the um the interactions and the way it works i i just find it far superior to any experience i've had on any of the other platforms so um no i think mastodon will continue to grow and they'll make some changes you know there's a there's a debate going on about whether or not they need to you know have a re reboost uh, or a quote 
toot function, um, like like a quote, like quote t- tweets and things of that nature. I wish um, people could see Emma's enjoyment at you saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already uh, talked about this too. It's not the first time I'm hearing, and I just really get yeah. a kick out of the toot. I yeah. so uh, there's a couple of things I saw about that, and one of them was noting how many times Twitter was declared dead because like 85% of their users are inactive or don't right. post and exactly. this and that. Um, I I can see continued engagement on Mastodon. I would have liked to have seen more growth. And today I had a feeling that some people might react to in horror. I, I think that um, people's antipathy to advertisements is misplaced. And I wish Mastodon had a mechanism for doing some kind of advertisements, not as crazy or overwhelming as uh, some of the other social media, but the ability of firms, of nonprofits, of people to just promote ideas unexpectedly to new audiences. I think there's a value there. And, And I'll say, you know, I mean, I feel like we don't like seeing the big billboards everywhere. But if you're a small business, like, I don't know how you get the word out without advertising uh, for right. different things, you know? So advertising has a role in our in our lives. And um, I worry a little bit about Mastodon if it's not going to be able to to do that at all. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting time over there, though, just a lot of energy. Um, and like, as I said, the, the 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 engagement, I've made some really cool connections on there already. Um, and um, so. We shall see, but um, I think it'll be, I, I think it'll be, you know, a continued growth over there um, with some changes. I think, I think, but generally speaking, if for more, even more folks to come, I do think pro- it probably has to be seen as more inviting and a little bit easier to kind of navigate when you first come. Um, but, you know, there's no shortage of really smart people that are um, um, administering a lot of the instances of what they call, you know, what they call them. The, yeah, I found there. I found serendipity's hard to just uh, find stuff like sure, like if you're looking for a broadband or telecom keyword or something. All right, but just there's more inst- serendipity around uh, Twitter in my experience. Um, although um, there's far less that's just awful on Mastodon, so that's nice. Yeah. So Sean, then uh, is Mastodon stronger at the end of 2023 than it is now? Is it? Uh, has it overtaken Twitter? What's are you going to put your money where? Oh your no, no, no! It, it it will not. No, it won't overtake Twitter. It'll be definitely a lot stronger. Um, but I think right now there's something around 10 million or so users on Mastodon. Um, with you know, maybe several thousand accounts being added per day or something, something of that nature. But that might like be a little 10, bit more. Like that might be a little bit of an overestimate. I think. Yeah, but nine, 10 million users right now. I mean, that's probably like what 0.1 percent of who's on of of the accounts on Twitter. So. No, it it won't even come close to taking over Twitter, but um, but there's been but but there have been a lot of um pretty high profile journalists that have migrated over. Um, so and I just I think the Fediverse, frankly, which is like the universe of these of most Mastodon and then other services like that. I just got to think, I don't know that 2023 will be the year, but with chat GPT, I think we're going to see more and more tools that are going to make it easier for people using common English to jump in and, and do interesting things themselves. I don't know that it's going to stick around forever like this, but I feel like we go through these cycles and I think chat GPT is going to lead to a cycle in which we are going to have more decentralized tools and it's going to be imaginative. It's going to be a Renaissance. Um, 
And the only thing that I question is whether the electric grid will shut down or whether the hacker's ability mm-hmm. to use chat GPT and, and AI to attack things will um, increase faster than defenses. But um, it's going to be wild. There's going to be more tools. And, and I think um, the, uh, the hostels are going to be much power, more powerful too. Uh, so, I mean, like this whole thing with like LastPass vaults being stolen and finding out how incredibly poor some of their security was, uh, on that, um, yeah. is, um, is just the beginning of, of what's going to be an even harder time for people and, you know, um, uh, just different people sharing, um, getting information stolen and that information being out there and all of us trying to decide that, you know, if we still want to hang out with Sean after we see pictures of him, uh, you know, in furry costumes and things like that. Right. And we can't, we can't close out talking about this topic without shameless plugs at Sean Allen at newsy.social is how you find me on Macedon and Muni networks has its own account as well. Muni networks at techhub.social. So, and I'm, I'm community nets um, at community nets at Fostadon, I believe. Um, Yes. Something along those lines, maybe Fostadon.org. I forgot mine. I think I'm also at tech hub. (laughs) Christine, let's go through some of your other predictions. What other predictions do you have for us? Uh, my other one was kind of a more, uh, we'll find out pretty soon kind of prediction is that we will not see an extension to the challenge process or like the allocation, um, deadline. The FCC will not allow more time for its charade of challenges. Correct. Smokescreen. Um, I, I'm just really hopeful that, um, the, it comes to light whether this was a real challenge process or not. Um, it looks to me like there's a lot to think that this was just for show. It wasn't taken seriously. I'm hoping that we can collect more statistics and others will be too about what's going on and what logic the FCC uses in rejecting many of the location requests that have been put in because we've heard some horror stories. I just don't know if it's if it's the common or the uncommon um, from the FCC right now. Yeah, folks should know by the time the show comes out, right? Because the deadline is tomorrow. Yeah. As we record. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, mm-hmm. and I'll just say something I've been telling people, which is I think if Ajit Pai was running the FCC right now, I think that people would be up in arms and, and screaming about it. I think a lot of our allies would have issued press release after press release. And I think this FCC is um, is getting by with um, doing a, a really poor job, not just of struggling with a difficult 2-2 commission, but actually um, engaging in dishonest claims about what the challenge processes were, uh, particularly around the location challenges and when those had to be in to uh, change the beat allocations. So um, I just, I'm deeply disappointed. Chris, they've been busy. They created a space bureau. Uh, they've had their hands full doing all the other important work out there in the world, let alone. I mean, totally. they do. The thing is, I, I feel bad. Like there's so many people at the FCC who I think are doing a great job. And I hate just slagging on the FCC as a whole with, I don't know, probably what, 10,000, 100,000 employees, like somewhere between there. Um, I don't know. Other people who are more serious about no understanding how DC works would know that. But um, there's a lot of people doing good work. And frankly, many of the commissioners, you know, are trying to do some good things. But um, I, I just I don't understand how it's 2023 and the FCC has no idea how to deal with broadband. It's embarrassing. Sean, let's jump to you. I predict that fixed wireless and particularly Verizon and T-Mobile's home mobile uh, home Internet service will grow in leaps and bounds. 
And the cable companies will continue to freak out and will start advertising the coming of Doxus 4.0 and how that will revolutionize home internet access. So leaps and bounds, let's define what that means. I think they're in right. they're in low single digits penetration right now in terms of like, I think it's on the order of three, four million people have fixed wireless for their home service from Verizon or T-Mobile, I think. It's probably rise nodding. I think that's roughly where the numbers are. Um, analysts suggest that it might hit seven or 8 million. Do you think it's going to surpass that? I don't think, I don't even think that's even this year. They don't think that. Um, yeah, you know, let's go bold. Let's say it's, it's 9 million and fun fact, I just came across the FCC's report that, um, T-Mobile actually has the biggest broad, broadband footprint in the country of all yep. of the, the big telecom companies, not, not the most subscribers, but just in terms of their coverage. Um, so it's a it's a it's a good bold prediction. Um, I uh, I will note that uh, Charter uh, has um, uh, told investors that they are massively speeding up their capex. There had been talk about them doing Doxis symmetrical, which are um, uh, that's not even what they call it anymore necessarily. I forget what it is, um, but uh, doing the upgrades in the very near future. Um, looking at uh, over the next three or four years, I believe, to getting most of their footprint up to that. Uh, this is kind of what I was expecting. And uh, I'm sure Comcast is probably even going to do it faster than that. So some of that is happening already. I think um, I'm not sure if it's entirely because of the fixed wireless or because of uh, all the fiber that's being built. But um, but I think some of that is kind of heading in that direction. But uh, for the record, I think you're going to come. I, I'd be shocked. I would be surprised if we have 5 million fixed wireless subscribers on Verizon and T-Mobile by the end of the year. So I'm going to be, I'm going to take the short on that. <laughs> you know, one of my related predictions, I was going to, I was going to see what you guys thought about this is, um, so we know that Starry fixed uh, internet is in, is in some trouble. Uh, they were considering uh, their options at the end of last year. Uh, you know, it's, they've got a decent, They've got some uh, variety of assets, uh, both physical assets and some Spectrum stuff. Um, does T-Mobile buy Starry? I mean, we're not talking about a ton of subscribers here, 50,000, mm -hmm. 60,000, 70,000 subscribers. But I think it's like 80,000 or was before. 80? Mm -hmm. As of this second, they're trading at three and a half cents per share. <laughs> <laughs> That's down from their IPO of 10 bucks? I don't, I don't. I didn't actually track it very much back then, but it's, um, it's definitely... <laughs> So you're saying so so in the Wolf of Wall Street they'd be getting sold on the pink sheet whatever they call those things. Yeah, it's uh I mean penny stocks. I have no idea who's uh, who's likely to pick it up, but I'm I'm curious to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know either, but I assume we'll see sooner rather than later. Yeah, I would think so. I frankly would have expected it before now. So, um Same. very curious. Yep. Yeah, they voluntarily defaulted on all of their uh, RDOF uh, awards back in the middle part of the fall as kind of a prelude to this and laid off a whole bunch of staff. And uh, and now it's just kind of been radio silence for the last two months. Yeah, Carl Bodie wrote a story about uh, summarizing some of the stuff where we've seen these high profile wireless flame outs. And, um, and I think it's good that we published it. Um, I was the one that actually, I mean, to be candid, like I thought that this would be a good story and I asked that we would pursue it. Um, I'm nervous about it because there are fixed wireless companies that are doing well. Uh, but I feel like it is worth noting that a lot of the hype has blown up in terms of what they said they were going to be doing. They pivoted, um, you know, they spent, um, I can't even, I'm, I'm assuming the hundreds of millions of dollars to end up with like 80,000 subscribers or something like that and split across a bunch of different States. Um, 
you know, and at the same time, one of the companies that didn't make it into that story was Common in the Bay Area, which uh, also was super bold and then just kind of disappeared and gave their network, which was in sort of a sad state, to uh, sold it to Monkey Brains, I believe. And Monkey Brains kind of tried to patch it up. I think even took a hit to their reputation as they were doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think I think some of the shine is is coming off of some of the wireless claims. Um, you know, wireless technology is getting better, but I feel like the hype is getting is becoming even more detached from reality um, mm-hmm. due to the pressure of trying to get access to federal funds. Uh, when yeah. I hear people talking about like how oh no, wireless can totally do like gigabit symmetrical to the residents now and it's like yeah maybe like one home but not all of them in a given area it's certainly not in a very rural area where you don't have line of sight but uh, some of the boosters are just really out ahead of their skis i think on this yeah it's a little bit of a shame too because uh i feel like if 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 folks just uh focused on the things that matter so i you know i've got some friends who live out in the boston area they've got um used story for either their home or their business and they're just excited to pay 50 bucks or 55 bucks a month for and and you know they rarely know what speed they have uh but probably you know 50 megabits symmetrical or something i wouldn't surprise if it's in the hundreds of megabits you got netblazer out there which uh you know is similar but run by company by folks that i known i've known longer and i mean i'm partial to them but uh, it seems like they're delivering hundreds of megabits wirelessly you know uh, for a similar price point so it seems like a missed opportunity to talk about cost instead of uh, trying to match even the cable providers on on speeds um, that there's a. Yeah, well, and that's why I keep saying I think the, the wireless I don't I don't know this in 2023, but I think the future of wireless is not that rural carrier of last resort. It is providing competition in areas where often there might be a cable or a fiber monopoly that's not holding up the ability of people to build a small scale network to compete. Um, I think that's going to be a really great role for wireless moving forward. Mm-hmm. I will say that Carl's story did get some really good engagement on Macedon and on LinkedIn with some really good comment commentary, actually, <laughs> from, from some pro wireless folks. Oh, I didn't even see that. You should, you should. Uh, so that's the, that's the thing that I'm missing that I feel like I don't have a good way of getting. I was just going to ask if there was anything unique about Starry's business model. Like, were they primarily doing MDUs or was it just like a traditional? Single family home, high speed, you know, um, low cost access mm-hmm. and run by a person, but by all accounts was good in business and uh, an amazing engineer. And um, I think they just, you know, it's the same thing that I said about Google Fiber back in the day when they crashed and burned. You you have this thing that works well and you think, all right, well, we're doing it well in a city. Why don't we do it in 30 states next year? It's like, that's not a good pot. It's not a good idea. You know, um, you got to grow more organically and, um, and without this idea. And this is where, I mean, this is the, my criticism of the, of the private equity buying all the fiber companies is they all want to turn them into starry, right? Like they want to, they're like, Oh, this company's doing great. Like, what if we, what if we gave it 10 X the capital? Well, probably it's not going to achieve 10 X the returns. Uh, instead it's going to half like more than half of them are going to crash and burn through the pressure of trying to figure out how to ramp up at that speed. I think. Yeah. I think Starry's problem was they, when they went public, they needed um, a huge infusion of cash and they ended up um, getting a lot, but uh, not nearly as much as they had hoped or needed to sustain the growth that Chris is talking about. So um, whether that's something that you could translate across the whole fixed wireless market or, you know, we're talking about apples and oranges here a little bit. Uh, Sean, did you have any others? You know, let's continue with the bold. Let's say um, 12 cities will commence a municipal fiber to the home project this year. Uh, obviously, I think you're not breaking ground, but you mean committing to it in a serious way? 
committing to it and meaning yes yeah yeah not not just you know doing a feasibility study or having meetings about it but but moving forward with financing and, 12. and yes i think that's uh, i think you're on the low end there my friend I'll, i do uh, too so okay I'll, what are you going with Ray? i'll come up i'll come up way over the top of you uh it just so happens that right now I'm doing a whole bunch of uh, stress test data entry stuff for our new uh, municipal uh, community network database uh, software platform. And I'm going to say, oh man, uh, I wasn't prepared for this. I'll say, I'll say 40. Uh, Whoa. I'll say 40. I'll say 40. I, I had 20 written down. I'm going to say 33. <laughs> All right. And my chance would that prices like right as it coming at thirty nine or something like that. <laughs> um, twenty three. All right. Well, I feel like I, I I probably have the worst prediction there. Um, Sean was twelve. Chris is twenty. Christine's thirty three. Emma's Emma. What? Emma's twenty three. Okay, man. I'm forty. Yeah. We'll see. I hope you're right, Ryan. I hope you are right. Um, but uh, wow. That's any a, last predictions, Sean? Really, here's a bold one. Our new website will be unveiled in the beginning of this year. All right. Muni Networks. Yeah, for people that don't know, I uh, when I was working on this, I um, I'd hoped it would be unveiled uh, in January, twelve months ago. So, <laughs> uh, I congratulate Ryan and Sean for picking it up and moving it what appears to be over the goal line finally. But I did not get it done. No, congratulate Ryan and just thank me for not sinking the whole thing along the way well sean right i'm glad you were able to still smile about it despite tagging along apparently a self-admitted boat anchor here on the screen with you <laughs> yep it's uh you know it's been a fun process i look forward to never ever doing it again <laughs> yeah so for people who are curious we we are uh, making the jump from uh, i believe drupal 8 to drupal 10 uh, and that Drupal 8 to Drupal 9 jump is a significant one. And I am um, perhaps unreasonably committed to preserving old content and stuff like that and um, and really understanding why other people let that go uh, when you look at the costs. But, um, but we're, we're, we think it's important to maintain this content for um, the history. Uh, and so we are um, we kept it around and I think we've pulled it off. I wanted to make that prediction because um, I appreciate salespeople, but on LinkedIn, uh, my inbox gets blown up often with sales pitches from folks that want to offer to build us a new website, and we're 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 good. So, spread the word. Uh, Rye, um, predictions? Maybe not that bold to say we're not going to see a new basic broadband definition this year. FCC is going to be busy with, or they will be. My air quotes here, busy uh, with satellite stuff or spectrum stuff they'll be busy with map stuff especially i think uh the second half of their year is going to get blown up uh by map stuff um they'll be busy with digital discrimination so i think uh i think even though now is a prime time to do it we won't see uh, an upgrade to that basic broadband definition i think that before june we'll see it upgraded to 100 by 20 and i think it'll be fairly quiet and not controversial interesting you think so it'll just be like a uh an issuance out of the FCC. Basically. Hmm. Hmm. Which would say something, right? Since we've gone how many seven? It'll be eight years since the latest. Well, update. And I think I think I think the folks who might ordinarily oppose it will just be happy it stays there. When I think didn't we just see is it Britain where there's a presumed right now to hundred hundred megabit per second? And gigabit to every new household yeah. single premises construction. Yeah, gigabit. Yep. 
Yeah, and I mean, just um, we were—I recorded a conversation with um, with Rudolf Vanderberg, who, um, who tracks this um, in and does a lot of great uh, analysis in Europe. Now that show is going to run after this one, and um, uh, and I was just blown away, kind of, at how ambitious and how far ahead many of the European countries are for, to us, even in rural areas. Um, my sense had long been that Europe, um, you know, had some areas where. The rural areas were left behind and that's still the case it's one of the things that i found very interesting is the great variance across europe uh but it's clear that we're falling further behind than i thought we were than europe i have one more prediction i predict that the that even this particular crazy congress is going to pass um a bill that i think was submitted in the beginning of the year um to exempt um uh broadband grants that uh, give them tax exempt status. I don't think it's happening. I hope it does, but I don't think they're going to do it. I'm with Chris on this one. I think Emma predictions. Um, yeah, I have a couple of data ones. I think in terms of the broadband label, I think we'll see providers start to use it. Um, but I think that it's not going to be easy to find or available at all for all providers. Um, I think enforcement will be weak, which I think is something I said last year. Um, the most ISPs have six months after the rule is finalized to publish it. Small ISPs have 12 months. I don't think, I don't know how to measure this, but I don't think small ISPs are going to need that much extra time to do, to publish that. And then the ACP data is also coming down the pipeline. Um, and I think that data will be helpful. Maybe we it's something we can add to the dashboard. I don't know. I have to talk to the team. But I think it's not going to be super granular. Um, that's a pretty safe prediction because provider privacy concerns have already been voiced. Um, but I think it'll be interesting, but not super, super relevant. And things like whether a customer is like whether the ACP benefit is being used for a first time subscription, which would be super useful to know because we could determine if the program is actually helping people get signed up for the first time. Um, that data, it looks like it's not going to be collected in this round of or in this particular instance of data collection. So those are all kind of safe, but yeah. I can't believe you just use the word dashboard. <laughs> in this in this zoom room it had to come up at some point <laughs> i did see the the ardoff dashboard getting some some love on uh the socials uh rye i assume that you put out the a post about the latest data dump i did i took credit for it uh even though christine <laughs> did all the work which is the way i like to do things so our ardoff <laughs> dashboard has now been updated uh no new Authorized funds going out um, in the last month or so since middle December, but uh, we're at 91% of that first round of RDOF being uh, dispersed um, or uh, defaulted on. So, you know, we're getting close to the end there. Uh, regarding the the broadband labels, I will be curious to see if that changes at all with uh, 3-2 commission, if they come back to it, if they're just going to be scrambling to try and do some things. Um the fact that they have like one year left, basically. Um, obviously, there will be additional time. Uh, well, could be, uh, but uh, traditionally, this is the uh, um, the year where uh, the year after an election is where you'd expect the FC to do most of its work. I I think that one municipal preemption will be weakened. Uh, I say that uh, because I'm not even 
sure that it will fall. Last year, we didn't have any changes in municipal preemptive laws to stop cities from being able to build their own networks or partner. Uh, the year before that, we had two, which was a real shock and first time we'd seen that happen. Uh, but I, I think that this year we could see that. I and mean, there's already been a bill introduced in Nebraska to yep. uh, weaken their um, their very strong language, stopping cities from solving their own problems. So Chris, I have you at 16 by the end of 2023. I don't know if this is allowed. Um, I like that we revisit this, uh, the state preemption. Um, I'm going to say that three states don't get rid of them, but they pass laws that weaken them. Yeah, and technically that's what I had said, Rise. So 16 or 17 would work for me. But I think think that's the right language, Sean. So in other words, I don't think, I think the number will remain 17. It's just that I think in three states, they'll, they'll, they'll be tweaked in such a way that will, Get, give give local communities a little bit more latitude. Christine? I'm going to say two. two. Emma, you don't have to pick a unique number. You could just agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll agree with you, Chris. <laughs> you can't agree with Christine or Sean, only me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the path of least resistance. Yeah, pick an unreasonable number or go with your boss. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'll go. I'll go a little stronger. I, I this uh, this kind of uh, you know weaken the laws, but the those laws will still be there. It seems like a little bit of a uh, having your cake and eating it too kind of thing. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say our number at the end of 2023. You guys are all saying the number will be 17 still, but we'll see some movement. I think our number will be 15 at the end of this year. Whoa! Right. I think we'll okay. see some. I think we're gonna see more movement in 2024 as the bead money actually starts to flow and uh, states are woken up to the fact that some of these laws are still on the books and uh, localities begin to yell louder and louder for solutions to problems that have existed for a long time. But I think we'll see two, two drop off the list this year. Ribos right. had some energy drinks before this, uh, before we, before this podcast, cause he's been, he's bold all the way through boy. This is the new ride 2023. I'm, I grew a mustache and uh, I was just about to say, I was, I was, I, w- I was wondering if should we, we, should we make a prediction about whether or not you were going to lose the stash or keep it or, you know, it's a good question. You'd have to ask my wife, I think. Well, by the end of the year, we won't even hear, hear his voice. It'll just be muffled by the stash. Um, my last prediction is somewhat vague. Uh, and and you all can I throw myself on the mercy of your court as to whether or not it's sufficient. Um, at least two major disasters with states and broadband, where the state broadband office just blows up or there's a major scandal um, or just something real ugly around how the states are uh, handling it or super embarrassing. I was thinking about this too, especially in terms of like the the plans that they have to put together for for bead. Thinking maybe like they would ask for big extensions or something. Yeah, I'm curious like- what what an example of a scandal a scandal would yeah. be, Chris, or a big blow up. Are we saying like Minnesota says, you know, we just don't want to deal with this charter. You get all of our all of our money because I think some people <laughs> well, wouldn't consider that all that bad. Yeah. And then, first of all, probably not allowed by NTIA, but um, but I think and then and then basically there being like a clear example of quid pro quo corruption mm. around mm. that. OK, interesting. I mean, we we do have a not not so far back in the history. It was AT&T was caught bribing someone and, you know, it was like, oh, oh, no, we don't do that regularly. I mean, our, our system makes legalized bribery easy enough. I don't know why you would necessarily go back to bags of cash. Seems a little bit unnecessary. But um, but I, I think and that and similarly, like like a state just, you know, basically being like we 
like we lost all the people we had that were trying to do it. Um, I think we've seen indications of this, the amount of money that is available in the private sector for people that have these skills, the limited amount of money in the public sector to do this. And then the stress of trying to comply with all of these rules and holding everything together while you are being attacked by lobbyist after lobbyist for different interests. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not an attractive job. And I don't know if that we have enough people to fill those roles who just recognize the importance of this, of generational investment um, and want to, you know, want to suffer through it. So this is interesting. They get till 2026 to spend uh, all that money. Is that, do I have that right? Well, for bead, I think it has to be committed, right? And committed. so it has to be I think the, the sub grantees who are the states will have to like get that out the door. But a, but a, you know if like a, if a city or a private company gets that money, they would have longer to actually finish right. spending that money on the equipment and labor and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So what you're saying is that the uh, the dearth of broadband policy and grant uh, literacy talent at the state op broadband office level is going to persist for at least another two years. I think that's going to be true. I mean, I think it'll get a little bit better over time, but I think in this year, you know, you might see like an entire broadband office, like basically get a vote of no confidence by its employees who all leave mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. or something, something significant like that, where this, the office is just not able to operate at that point. Or cost quest license scandal. Oh, <laughs> Boy, I tell you, if we could, if we could understand exactly what happened with the FCC and CostQuest, I feel like that would be a scandal if, uh, if it wasn't just all hidden behind contracts and stuff. That'll be that my prediction. Jeez, if we could get a uh, somebody to send the right <laughs> license to us so we could sign it and get access to the fabric, that would be fantastic. But well, it's a bad Christine, do we have access to it yet? We've signed the signed the paperwork, right, to to have access to the fabric, but we don't we don't have access to the fabric yet because of. Uh, the minutia of sending the licenses back and forth, but the process of getting access and signing the license, which should be relatively straightforward has is absolutely not. So that's where I, cause I, uh, one of our allies was like asking around, like, does anyone actually completed this and gotten access to the fabric? And I was like, I was like, Oh, I think we did only. It turned out that we had just signed the papers and nothing had actually happened yet. <laughs> so it was a status, I guess everyone else has. So, um, yeah, you said you you said I, I like where you're going with this. You said two states with scandals. I this said two scandals, two, two scandals. major disasters is how I phrased it, it. Oh, two major disasters could be in the same state. Could be, yeah. Okay, like Illinois could okay. blow up twice. I just okay. Got, pick on got my you, friend gotcha, Matt, gotcha. who's the head oh, of the. Okay, so not so much states, but but number number of of scandals of 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 that order. This is America, man. This it could be states. like Puerto Rico could be one. I mean, like could be I, I, right. Not well, this is what I'm trying to say. This this is America. There's 50 states. Only two scandals. You're you're way lowballing it. Way low. I think I might be, and that's where you could tell me that. I'd be like, dude, like there's gonna be ten, and you know we can we can talk about this. I'll I'll put it at six, and then as a little footnote, the the silver lining will be that as it relates to state broadband offices, that two states will put some kind of uh, law on the book to discourage bad challenges. Similar to what Colorado. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Um, let's say one of the one of the ways that we would know if it is a major disaster is if non-tech press covers it, right? Oh. So that's one of the things we'll be looking for. Got it. Ooh. I, I, you know what? I'll, I'm going to stick with six. Forget it. You know. You know why? Because I will be pitching the the you know what out of stories like that if there if there are six and they're not getting <laughs> mainstream coverage. 
why is why is this guy this one of the reporters gonna be like why is master sean keep keep bugging me about like this penny ante scandals trying to get me to blow him up <laughs> right. i got a bet on the line man pride it's gonna be an interesting year um i think that's for sure mm-hmm. i mean i feel like we're gonna see a lot of good stuff and we're gonna see a lot of bad stuff and i just encourage people to keep that perspective right i mean we live in some remarkable times where it's easy to fixate on on bad things that are happening, things that are scary about uh, the future of some of our communities, of our of our nation. Um, but at the same time, like just the the progress that we've seen in terms of uh, more humans being treated with dignity in this country, like I feel like you know there's a lot of good things going on too. So we're gonna see that in broadband. We're gonna see some really nasty stuff, I think, and. We're going to see some really great stuff as we bring more people the the ability to be on the internet effectively. Well said. Uh, looking forward to the year with y'all. And uh, thank you all for, for coming out for the show today. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handles at Muni Networks. Subscribe to this and other podcasts from ILSR, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby, for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>